Why do we play role-playing games? Why don't we ask this question enough? And what kind of answers can we find to give? And does it all really matter anyway? If you say the real life is up your days And you don't have time to play Well, midlife is the best time to start a new role-playing phase My name is Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Hello, rescuers. Welcome to the first Webster Burbles About Gaming episode of Season 7. As promised from the trailer, this episode delivers on the claim that, from time to time, I will have some thoughts and be totally unable to keep them inside. Today, I want to highlight and respond to the fact that, as it turns out, I'm a pretty lousy communicator. I've largely been misheard on topics including playing too seriously, how role-playing is more than mere fun, and on how otherworld immersion is a worthy goal. Don't worry, I'm not going to bang on any of those drums individually today, but I am going to share some rather intriguing thoughts about the intersection of why we might choose to play with what we might be getting out of the game when we judge it to be good. On top of that, I have a truckload of awesome call-ins which I am going to place at the back end of the show, allowing those of you who want to get to the meat of the episode to do so quickly, while also allowing those of you who enjoy the back and forth from the community to get your fix too. This is Season 7, Episode 1, Purpose and Engagement. When you sit down to roleplay, to play a role-playing game, what are you seeking to achieve? If we move past the glib claims that we just want to have a fun time with friends, although the latter is a point worthy of comment in a moment, we'll quickly realise that we often don't really know. Why do we come to the table? I think there are two sets of factors that are determining why we choose to play, and also pointing us towards being able to measure when a game feels good to us or not. The first thing to point out, however, is that there is no one true way to play. Neither is there one particular best reason to play. Nor are any of the factors I'm about to talk about inherently better than any of the others. While it might seem a tedious thing to point out, the way the realms of social media encourage people to behave means that I feel compelled to point this obvious idea out. You are unique. Why you play and what engages you are unique. You do you, my friend, and I will simply accept you for who you are. The two groups of factors are both things I have spoken about before. Firstly, there are the three purposes, or if you prefer, the three goals of playing. These are the reasons why, in any given instance of play, we find ourselves immersed in the game. That is to say, these are the reasons why these three purposes or goals are the outcomes we desire. They are, in no particular order, story now, step on up, and dream together. All of these are about an exploration. They just involve exploring very different things. 
Story Now is the purpose focused on exploring a narrative that is engrossing and satisfying. We are seeking the satisfying movement through a good yarn that ends with a climax and delivers on some strong thematic elements. The goal of Story Now is in the name. We want a story, a beginning, a middle and an end, and we want it now. This is an active and moving narrative that feels like it is going somewhere today. Step on up is the purpose focused on exploring the challenges that arise between the player's character and the non-player character's events and imagined situations that are presented in play. Often, stepping on up involves combat and physical action, but not always. There is interest here in arguing a strong case in court, inspiring revolution in the city, and winning friends and influencing people at the party. Dream Together is the purpose focused on exploring the world of the game. It is about entering the experience of the character you play and viewing the situations presented through the eyes and other sensory organs of that character. The desire is to enter the imagined space and detach oneself from the real world just long enough to explore the fantastic or future or other world from this one. The pace doesn't matter and neither does winning. It's all about the dream that we enjoy together. Each of the purposes is, in a way, a particular extreme in one of three directions. I imagine this as an equilateral triangle with each at one of the three equally spaced points. The reality is, however, that we tend to move around in that triangle depending on the specific instance of play that we are enjoying, if indeed we are having a good game. It's probably best for me to use myself as an example. My preferences lie towards two extremes – I am keen to step on up, and I'm also hungry to dream together. I'm rarely strongly desiring story now. Your preferences will almost certainly differ, and that's a good thing, and we should seek to value that difference. But on the triangle, I often allow these two purposes to become entangled in ways that cause me to trip over one or the other. I have played some really engaging and highly entertaining, dare I say, fun games set in the modern world with weird alien conspiracies and investigations into monstrous activities of underworld cults. Generally, if I'm honest, those games were more about the challenges set before the group. Could we solve the mystery? Can we defeat the cultists? Can we escape the clutches of the obviously manipulative alien clones? This has been my desire to step on up, running wild and free. It has been a lot of fun. Contrast this with my desire to return to the dark and forbidding otherworld of Mycovnia, a fantasy realm where magic is all-pervading but subtle, the people are afraid of the dark, and the adventures are all about survival in a hostile world. The game is no longer about challenge and action, but rather about exploring the world as a place, as if it was real and as if the people who live there are real, and discovering what amazing people, places and things we can uncover. The pace is slower the characters less outlandish, and the tone is very different indeed. This is me wanting us to dream together. When I play Star Trek or Star Wars, I will probably get as close as I will ever get to story now, as long as I can stop myself from slipping towards the call of Step On Up. I want to play a Klingon warrior and test myself against the metal of the Borg, but actually, I'd be intrigued to play a deeply measured and thematically engaging story now. Let's set up the situation and then have the characters move through the arc of the tale. They will have setbacks and they will make discoveries, but the world is more of a backdrop to the adventure. 
and fights aren't important as acts of challenge where we seek victory. Rather, those fights punctuate the danger and the excitement on the way to a thrilling conclusion. And the game will need to deliver on that thrilling climactic conclusion. All else is unimportant when we seek story now. Which is your cup of tea? If you don't know, the chances are that you are having a very hit-and-miss experience of the role-playing hobby. And if you don't know, the chances are that so far you are telling yourself that you like all three. You might be right. After all, I have tried to outline how all three of these purposes might suit me in different instances of play. And that's my point. Whether it be the whole campaign, one adventure, or one scene, or a selection of scenes within your adventures, every one of those scenes has a purpose. Or, at least it should. And that purpose will be serving one of those three goals. Step on up, story now, or dreaming together. Rescue! It was the angry GM who introduced me to the idea of the MDA approach to gaming engagements. In short, there are eight engagements, eight things we look for when we are playing games, and they are all a bit different. Let me quote from the angry GM's excellent book, Game Angry. Quote, challenge. People who like challenge want to compete. They want a game they can win or lose, and they want it to be fair. Players who really get into action scenes and who care how powerful their characters are usually like a challenge, as does any player who wants to win the adventure at any cost. Discovery. People who like discovery want to explore the game and the worlds that the game takes place in. They want to uncover all the secrets, explore every room, understand every system, and find every hidden treasure. Players who leave no stone unturned, who ask a lot of questions, and insist on visiting every room in the dungeon, are in it for discovery. Expression Players who want to express themselves want to show off their creative side. They like to create things that are unique to them and share them with others. Players who get really into character creation are probably expression lovers, especially if they like playing unique and unusual characters and writing elaborate backstories for them. If they focus on showing off their creative side, they are after expression. Fantasy Fantasy lovers want to escape into another world. They want to be their characters and lose themselves in the imaginary world. Players who spend a lot of time interacting with the other characters in the world and like to play out the day-to-day -day routines of their characters' lives are likely fantasy seekers, especially if they want to act out every shopping trip. Fellowship Fellowship is the engagement you feel when you're doing something with other people. Players who like fellowship are happy just being part of a group. In fact, they often seem like they aren't engaged with the game at all, and that's because they are just there to hang out with their friends. Narrative Narrative seekers love a good story. It's not about being part of the story though, it's about the story itself. All the stuff that makes a movie good, well-written characters, understandable motivations, a solid beginning, an exciting climax, and a strong ending. That's what they want in their game. Sense pleasure. Sense pleasure is the pleasure people get from seeing, hearing, and touching cool stuff. Art, miniature figures, maps, stuff like that. You know, the people who get really into the graphics and music in video games? They are after sense pleasure. Admittedly, sense pleasure doesn't play a big role in RPGs, but 
Between the art and the maps and the figures and the dice, there is some. But likely, players who are most interested in sense pleasure are watching movies or playing video games, not exploring your imaginary world. Submission. People who like submission like to lose themselves in mindless, repetitive things. They just want to shut their brains off for a little while and relax. They are drawn to simple quests and dungeon crawls with lots of low-power mooks to mow down and lots of treasure to pile up. Being an engaging host. Now that you understand why people play games, you can tailor your game to your particular players. How? Well, first you have to figure out what your players want out of your game. And that means watching your players. What seems to get them most excited? What parts of the game do they really sit up and pay attention to? And what game activities do they spend the most time on? This is kind of like a logic puzzle. Is the player who just goes with the flow more into submission or fellowship? Does the player who spends all their time talking to NPCs care more about discovery, fantasy or narrative? There's no simple test you can give your players. Don't try. Trust me. People don't know themselves very well, and you are better off trusting what they do than what they say. You just have to be observant. End quote. This is a bit theoretical. It's an observation I've made through playing RPGs for more than 40 years and paying attention at my own table, plus paying attention to my own preferences. I'll just come out and say it. I think six of the eight engagements map pretty closely between the three purposes of play. Remember the purposes or goals of play? Step on up, story now, dream together. I've noticed that the challenge engagement maps quite well onto the step on up purpose. The narrative engagement obviously links to the story now purpose. Fantasy connects nicely to the dream together purpose. Okay, so far so good. But between these three purposes, I've also noticed that players who enjoy submission tend towards the step on up or the story now polarities. Those who enjoy discovery tend towards the step on up and dream together polarities. And those who seek expression tend towards the story now and dream together polarities. Draw that triangle. Label the three points, challenge, narrative, fantasy. Between the points, along the edges, put submission between the challenge and narrative, put discovery between the challenge and fantasy, and place expression between the fantasy and the narrative. What's missing? Fellowship and sense pleasure. I believe that almost all gamers who roleplay in groups enjoy fellowship. It's at the heart of the triangle. It's why we don't play solo or just plug in the Xbox. It's why we like to host our friends. I believe that sense pleasure turns up in small ways everywhere it's enjoyed. The miniatures in a step-on-up focused game, specific words and use of language in a dream-together-focused game, tokens for tracking fate points and such are common in Story Now focused games. Of course, none of those are exclusive, they're just examples, but sense pleasure turns up all over the place. But that's my current theory on how all three purposes of play map to all eight of the engagements, and it depends on the game you're playing as to which of those factors is going to be given air. What's the practical upshot of all this theory? Well, that's simple. 
Firstly, recognize that the rules are not the game, and none or little of this stuff is in your rulebook. This is the stuff of the grand system of play, not merely rules. Secondly, figure out which of the purposes this particular game, even this next session or this specific scene, is serving. Is the game about stepping on up, story now, or dreaming together? Thirdly, figure out which itches you are seeking to scratch. Which of the eight engagements engage you and your friends? Ignore them at your peril, and honestly, recognize that a particular emphasis in purpose is more consistently compatible with certain engagements. You can't do them all, all of the time, but you can include some a lot of the time. When I am stepping on up and running that Klingon versus Borg Ray to take out the Borg Cube, what shall I be thinking about? I am providing fellowship for my friends, first and foremost. I think this is always at the heart of role-playing games. I am also offering a unique challenge. Can you create a Klingon warrior worthy of song and glory? Can you defeat the Borg? I'll probably want to deploy some tactile elements like miniatures and maps to help cement the feeling. And I need to recognise that while there's room for expression and fantasy, discovery and narrative, and even submission... These are to be sprinkled liberally among the scenes of challenge in an arena of fellowship. I don't know if that makes sense. I probably just sound like a buffoon who takes his gaming too seriously. But hey, there appear to be plenty of people who think I am already lost too deep in my imaginary worlds. So make of it what you will. My hope is that, for someone out there, this collision of theory and practice will help you think about making your games just a little bit more fun. Dare I say it? even enjoyable, a pleasure, glorious. Whatever you do, decide what you want from your gaming. Now, go and get it. Game on. Hey Jay, Tim from Gothridge Manor here. It's been a while since I've called in and I've been uh, kind of catching up on some old episodes. Just finished the episode with you and Hobbs discussing uh, player eight. A lot of stuff, actually. Can't go through the whole list, but uh, very good episode. I uh, really liked it. Uh, and it didn't seem as long as it was. So that's about the highest praise someone can say about a long, long interview. So uh, keep up the great work and Hey, write that book about players. Uh, oh, I get it. All right, Jay. Take care. Keep it going. Hey, Jay. Jason here. Just listened to episode 610, Roleplay Rescue. Enjoyed it. Serious games. Yeah, You know, it's funny. I'm a self-professed beer and pretzels gamer, but I do enjoy the occasional serious game. And it might shock some folks. Probably not. But one of the most successful serious games I've ever played was using ICRPG, and that was using Blacklight which is kind of like Delta Green. You can find it on um, Try Through RPG. But, you know, I talked about that in early episodes in Nerds RPG Variety Cast, but I really immersive, great group of players. Everybody took it dead seriously. It worked great. I'm hoping to play the creator that is supposed to be running a Vietnam game here coming up, and I'm hoping to be able to play in that game. So I, do too, occasionally like to run serious games, I've run some serious games with ICRPG with my Colonial Gothic hack, and they worked well. But 100% disclosure, the system was irrelevant. 
both in the games I played with Mark, the writer of Blackout, Blacklight. I'm sorry, it's ICRPG Blacklight, but but it wouldn't matter what system he ran those games in because the player and the GM, players and the GM, that those games are serious. And the same with my Colonial Gothic ICRPG is because I took it seriously and the players took it seriously. So I, I'm hoping to run a weird Vietnam game with Palladium Precon, and I'd like to run it seriously. I'm not sure my players are going to take it seriously, so I might have to just accept Scooby-Doo instead of serious. But I, personally, I find horror games, I'd like to have them be serious games. But, yeah, sometimes they get absurd. You, you know, I mentioned that horror game, serious game. Your GURPS game that we did with the Monster Hunters was a fairly serious game. So I, I do think serious and horror kind of go together. I don't know. It's kind of interesting how different genres, you know, lend themselves different things. Call-ins from Tim and from Jason. Thanks, guys. Uh, Tim Shorts, obviously, from Godfrey's Manor and Jason from Nerds RPG Variticast. Thanks for calling in. I really appreciate those calls and the vote of confidence on the Hobbs interview. And I'm sure if Hobbs is listening, because he might be, um, that, uh, you know, he'll obviously appreciate that feedback as well. And, yeah, nice thoughts from you, Jason, on... Uh, you know the games that you've been playing and what you enjoy and yeah i'm with you i think uh, on the thing about horror being serious tends to i think head in that direction but of course what am i talking about with serious gaming i mean isn't it all pretty damn serious <laughs> i don't know anyway um thanks for your calling guys and i've got another one here from goblin's henchman let's see what he has to say hi jay goblin's henchman here just a quick message to say i really enjoyed listening to you and joe richter talk about pathfinder has to be said, Joe has to be the most enthusiastic person in role-playing ever. For some reason, this, this thought keeps going around in my mind whenever I hear him talk to people. And I can imagine my mum's voice saying, If Joe Richter said, would you, to, to run off the edge of a cliff, would you do it? And I'll be thinking, well, you'd probably make it sound super fun. <laughs> oh dear, and that's a terrible impression of my mother, by the way. Cheers. <laughs> Hey, Jay, it's Arlen again. I'm about halfway through season two, but season two is a little longer than season one. So I thought I would call in and mention kind of two things that stuck out to me. The first was a comment from the interview with Mike Mason. And one of the things he said was something like um, the players can't play uh, the way that the adventure is written because they haven't read the adventure and I thought that was really something – it sort of seems obvious, but it uh, – in retrospect, but it was something that really kind of triggered a thought in me about like, oh, this is something important to think about when we write or create adventures is that obviously, obviously, the players aren't looking at the written adventure. So how do they – come to interact with what has actually been put down and the, thinking about that explicitly instead of going with sort of like the the way we've always done it logic of well this is the way that adventures have been written so we'll keep writing them like that i think is really an interesting thing to think about and it's going to be it's definitely going to be something that i try to keep in in my mind when i am writing adventures to, to run for my players that the players can't play the adventure as written because they haven't read it. Um, and then the other thing is I really liked your five games episode, the sort of five games that you really like and that have influenced you a lot and all that sort of stuff. And I was sort of wondering if you had any intention to do um, 
a sort of follow-up to that, uh, especially I know GURPS has become a big part of your gaming. And you mentioned Savage Worlds uh, originally in that episode, but I suspect that if you're running Savage Worlds again, that that has a little bit of a different character than it originally did. And I'd really like to hear, I think it'd be really interesting to hear from you kind of how, if you have, uh, I guess it would be interesting if you have experienced any kind of like more uh, sort of like story games or more kind of some of these uh, sort of super narrative games and what your experience with those has been and whether any of them sort of stack up for you in that um, highest tier of, of games. So yeah, that's, that's sort of my thoughts. Um, I also just listened to Dungeon Master's Diary 41. Um, I'm really glad you're, you know, back doing the teaching thing since that matters to you that that's really good um but yeah i'm i'm excited to hear what you have to say hey there all and thanks so much for your call in and also thanks to goblins henchman for the one before i just didn't think there was much to add and Arlen, on the subject of Mike Mason's insight into adventures, you're absolutely right. It's a really valuable insight, and it's one that uh, yeah, it slipped my mind. So thank you for having gone back through the back catalogue. Um, you know, dig that one out and, and mention that. That's a really good thought. Thank you so much. And yeah, on the subject of like mm, games that I've enjoyed and all that sort of stuff, yeah, I do have some thoughts on that. I have um, quite a few actually episodes I've listed of things I'd like to talk about, but. I think more immediately in Series 7, I definitely want to revisit The Lure of D100. I think that's probably the name of an episode, The Lure of D100. Um, and in there, I just want to talk about some of the games that really influenced me back in the day and how they've kind of come through with me in time. Um, on GURPS and Savage Worlds and how that's going and, uh, you know, how I've kind of uh, I don't know, lent into those systems. I mean, to be fair and honest with you, uh, Savage Worlds, I've not yet been able to get to the table. We I have a game planned, but we've still just not been able to get everyone there. Uh, so, you know, watch this space. But on GURPS, I've learned a lot, actually, and I think it's a really wonderful game system that can do a lot of different things. And if, if there's any game that's kind of flexible, I, I, that, definitely it's GURPS. So, yeah, I guess I, I ought to maybe have a think about, uh, you know, doing a follow-up and talking about those things. On story games, the so-called story games, which is a title I hate for them, um, I'm not really that au fait, to be honest with you, because I have always seen the story now imperative as kind of not what I was about, by the way, I've been wrong to assume that, but, um, you know, just because I've seen it that way, I've tended to steer away from those games, although, you know, I've, I've owned games in the past and read games like Dogs in the Vineyard sticks out as a really good one that stuck in my mind a while ago, but of course, yeah, I want to go play the Scythe system and I want to play the 2D20 system and I think these are more narratively focused games. Uh, so yeah maybe again great idea for future episode I guess to kind of dig into those and share my thoughts on those but I'll be honest I kind of need you Arlen especially you to lead me in that direction because I think the story now uh, part of the triangle that is something that I need to master anyway thanks so much for the call in there is just one more to come but first If you're curious to learn more, please remember to favourite or otherwise bookmark this podcast in whatever podcast app you're using. This series is all about finding a route back to the table and improving our game. 
and I've got some interesting suggestions to share with you about your options. Of course, your story is unique and your journey will be filled with challenges. Perhaps together, as a community, we can learn to find an acceptance of our hobby. If you're using Apple Podcasts or an app that has an ability to rate the show, please consider giving Roleplay Rescue a five-star rating. It really does help. Thanks in advance. Game on. Right then, just one more call-in to do for this uh, episode, and this is from Andy Goodman. Now, Andy Goodman is from the Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks podcast, and he did a whole raft of episodes uh, a couple of weeks ago now, and I've I called into him actually with some um, suggestions about how he could approach mystery gaming because he was basically saying he thinks it's impossible. And I got this reply. So that was the context. I just wanted to share the reply with you before we wrap up the show. So over to you, Andy. Che, Andy Goodman here from Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks. I realise I've stopped telling people who I'm calling in because I just think I'm leaving you a voicemail, but I guess it's it's going on podcast, so I might as well identify, you know. Um, I should listen to you more. The Alexandrian article is fantastic. I, I knew about the three-clue rule, but I only knew it in a very simplistic way that for every solution you need three clues. But the way he lays it out, and I haven't read the um, essay by Ben Robbins that he links to, which is all about um, the kind of uh, revelations um, and and how you ensure that your players actually figure out what's going on, even though you've given them the clues. I'm going to read that next. But, yeah, I just wanted to thank you for pointing me in the direction. Um, that was one long post that was definitely worth reading, and I can see how structuring mysteries that way will make them really so much better. Thanks a lot, man. Bye. Rescue! That's about it for this episode. Not sure how useful that is, um, but I'd put it out there nonetheless. Honestly, these thoughts bubble up from my unconscious mind and they absolutely demand to be expressed. So, thank you for listening. Thanks to all of today's callers, Tim, Jason, Goblins, Henchmen, Arlen and Andy. I really do appreciate you taking the time to click the Anchor message link in the show notes or grab the Anchor app and press the message button. Your thoughts both brighten my days and allow me to share new ideas and perspective with the other listeners. So thank you to everyone who's brave enough to put their words out into the podosphere. Thanks as ever are due to the loyal Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash RPG Rescue. You may be few, but you make all the difference to me as a creator. Thank you. Finally, thanks go to you, the listener, for taking time out of your day to listen to me rambling on. Thank you. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. Game on. <laughs>